Ashley. Hi, I'm Makara. And uh, this is Creeped Out and Creeping Around. Welcome to our podcast. So enjoy the ride. Creeped out and creeping around. Creeped out and creeping around. We're creeped out and creeping around. We're creeped out and creeping around. Creeped out and creeping up. Hello. Hi. Hi. We're back. We're back. We took a brief break. Let's get down to business. But first, how are you doing, Meg? I am tired. How are you? I'm pretty tired, too. Yeah, it's late time. It's it's late time. It's, it's late, late time. It's late time. It's night time. Well, and I, I didn't really uh, sleep a lot last night because, you know... I, I got home. I got home really late. I like left work like a half hour late. And so Ew, I didn't get why? Home. Why? Um, I was, I don't, I, I got invested in a issue and, and then, then ended yeah. up having to like do kind extra. of do extra. Yeah. And so it just, I don't know. You left late. I left late and I don't regret it. I was just, I also, um, was migrating pretty hard, and so oh, that's right. towards the end of when I was leaving, like I couldn't. I had to stop at least once. On, uh, I stopped once on the way home, and then like I had to go into the parking lot bathroom and oh, puke my guts puke. out. Oh, you poor thing! So much guts out, and yeah. I didn't eat much that day because I was feeling gross. Right. So it was just the worst. Yeah. So I'm a little tired too, but yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm always awake for you. <laughs> I winked, but you didn't see it. And it probably wasn't a good wink. Anyways. It was actually a pretty good wink. So. You wink very well. <laughs> I wink really awkwardly. I'm like... Uh, it's like I, my you, eye just doesn't want well, to close in like a smooth way. It's do like, you maybe have something in your eye? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You need some saline solution? Yeah, I do. Do you have any like... <laughs> thank you. You need eye wash? What's going on here? Yeah, I'm just tired. Mm, okay. I worked today, Ugh. and then I came over here. Yeah, and I got stuck in traffic, <sighs> and then I ate a taco. It was a good taco. And some shrimp and a speaker. Yeah, and yeah. and then it was a side of little shrimps. A little side of shrimps, <laughs> and now I am just here, and we're here, and we're ready to tell you a little story about a ghost town. I know ghost towns are your shit. I love ghost towns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. This one's pretty... <laughs> it's got a, a me twist on there, which means there was a tragedy there. Yes! I yeah. mean, like, it, it sucks, tragedy. but, like, you know, it makes for the best stories. That's true. <sighs> Ignore that yawn. <laughs> That's a good one. That almost looked took like my it, life away. I think it, it looked like it really hit the spot. <laughs> it was, it was, it came for business. <laughs> it showed up. Um, while you're getting your notes ready, do you want to have soft, like, um, armchairs to record in? Or do you like the office chair? What kind of chair you know, you, okay. If you had your, if you had if to, I had this fancy new holder thing, and I had the option to be literally laying down, <laughs> <laughs> and I could just talk to you from laying down. 
that would be my ideal option, but I don't think they quite make chairs like that. At least not ones I that mean, are I mean, like, great. you could definitely get a reclining, like, that lazy boy. big, though, right? Yeah, I mean, like, that's... Because, like, we could keep the table set up, or we could maybe up. just, um, like, keep this this area oh the bed the bed desk because yeah. i have like what's called a nantucket bed and i love it yeah. so much it's so cool it's a nice bed it's like my my favorite thing in my house i'm pretty sure yeah and um absolutely it was uh um you know uh, <clears throat> i would like a comfortable chair where I could, like, I could cross my legs on it. That's kind of what I want. You know, okay. it's hard for me to cross my legs on an office chair. But, like... If it's, like, a wide office chair. Yeah, if it's, like, a wide office chair. But maybe something where I don't have to, like, be scared I'm going to fall backwards. Okay. Mm, if I lean into it. But, you know, I just like to be cozy. And I'm the coziest when um, my legs are just crossed. Perfect. And I have a blanket on me. I will. Pretty cozy right now, but like, yeah. my legs could. Oh, you know what? You this chair be would be fine, you know? Yeah. If I had a stool. Just. If you want to pause position. it, I think I can go grab you a stool. Oh, no, that's okay. I'm just thinking out loud here. Well, all right. I'm comfortable. Okay. I'm just like, if I was going to have a chair, it would be that. Yeah, but like I'm not gonna fall backwards. Oh, of course not. But we don't need to pause this recording to go get a stool. Like I'm not that high maintenance. I mean, you can be though. Yeah, I know I could be, but I don't need to be. It's not necessary. I could just, you know, cozy on up. Cozy on up. There you go. I'm trying to cozy on up right now. You're also trying to cozy on up. It's hard, huh? I, I mean, like, yeah. (laughs) Hard to get cozied up in that office chair. I think that's the point of them. Maybe, like, that they're not... They're supposed to be comfortable, but not, like, too comfortable. (sighs) Bullshit. I know. (laughs) They're made for business. They're made for (laughs) business. I have no part of any sort of business in my entire body. I mean, like... I never mean business. I really love the It's Business Time song. That's something. Business uh, Fly to the Concords. You oh, remember when those were a thing? Yep, I do remember that. Yeah. I I got down to some Fly to the Concords and yep. uh man, I you know It's fine. I it's miss good. it. Yeah. I miss it. Yeah, so, that was good shit. It was. So, so the business time song, that was my jam. I loved it. Business time. It's business time. Um yeah, so let's talk about Rosalind, huh? Let's talk about Rosalind before I fall asleep under your table. <laughs> okay, so uh, Roslyn, Washington is another ghost town. So Roslyn was founded with the discovery of coal and the coming of the Northern Pacific Railroad okay. in 1886. Uh, the town's population swelled dramatically in like the first few decades from a few hundred people to um, almost 4,000 people Wow! in the 1920s. So, it, And it's not actually a ghost town. Like, people do still live there. Okay. So it's not a ghost town, but, you know, it's like ghost town-y. It's I been mean, around for a long, long time. If it, like, the population is under a certain amount, like... I think right now the population's at, like, 900. I think that could be considered, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's ghost a populated town. ghost town. Yeah. It's People not used for coal there. mining anymore. No, it's not used for coal mining anymore. Oh, well, maybe it is. No, probably mm. it's not. 
Probably not. Probably not, no. Um, so, <laughs> more recently, the town had, like, kind of a boom surge due to, like, a television show coming and filming there. Like, that was their, um, you know, that was, like, their their set. What show? Uh, it was called, it was in the 90s. It was called no- Northern Exposure. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, not at all. I haven't watched it. I've never heard of it as well. But um, it set up shop in Roslyn, and that was kind of like the backdrop for their filming. Okay. And it was supposed to be like a fictitious city in Alaska in the show. Hmm. Okay. But I think, I mean, that was kind of, and that kind of brought a lot of um, popularity to the town for a bit. Was it one of those like quote unquote reality shows or no, was it like? it wasn't a reality show. Okay. It was like, um. I think it was like a drama or something that was based in Alaska, mm. but I'm not entirely sure. I guess we could look it up. We probably can look it up about what it's about. Um, I'll do it right now. I wonder what it's about. Now, now I want to know. Now I need to know. <laughs> oh man! Exposure. Well, I mean, I guess since we're talking about the '90s, we can just be real '90s about it and just kind of like make endless assumptions and then never find out until you go to the video store. Sometimes that's what Phil and I So it sounds like it was about a doctor that moved to a rural town in Alaska and then um, he decided that he liked it there even though at the beginning he didn't like it there. Oh, so it's your typical... I think it was just like a drama or like a sitcom drama or something like that. It sounds like a setup for a Wonderful Lifetime movie. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. If it was like the opposite, like, you know, a, a female doctor moves to Alaska and hates it and then she meets a strapping young... Yeah, uh, it's kind of like that, I think. Fisherman. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's got to be something like that. But anyway... <laughs> It had kind of like a population, like kind of popularity boom surge due to that. And ever since that, um, that production ended, it's kind of like fizzled out. But it is still a functioning town. Um, The Roslyn coal field attracted men from coal mining regions in the other parts of the United States and from nations with like well-developed coal industries. So 40% of the population in 1900 was foreign-born Um, people that came to work. Um, They were mostly Slavic, Italian, and, like, English immigrants. And, in fact, um, 24 nationalities have been recorded living in Roslyn at one time, Hmm. which is very fascinating for, like, eastern Washington. It's pretty good for that time, too. I guess it's not eastern, but it's more central. Uh, Can you pull the table a little bit closer to you? Right there. Perfect. Yes. Okay. Is that good? That's perfect. Okay, good. That's that is a lot for those towns because they tended to be like just very, um, like very White. segregated as yeah. well. And uh, if they did have immigrants, it was usually like Chinese. Yeah, I think. That, and I'm pretty sure the Chinese were there as well. Mm. But um, so yeah, there's like just a large culture pot there at one time. That's like pretty interesting for middle of Washington. Yeah. And the coal mining town. 
Um, the Knights of Labor had instituted a strike in 1888, which shut down the mines. And they were demanding um, <clears throat> higher wages and an eight-hour workday rather than a 10-hour workday. And, of course, that's not too hard to ask for, but since this was Great Northern and <laughs> everybody was on strike, uh, the print, like the miners on strike were um, replaced. Of course. So the company had brought in, um, recruited, like, African-American miners from... Virginia, uh, North Carolina, and Kentucky mm-hmm. to take place of the miners that were on strike. So they said, you're not going to work? Okay, we'll replace you. That's fine. That's fine. And then I think that kind of fizzled out. But let <laughs> <laughs> solved that. <laughs> yeah, so trains brought in over uh, 300 African-American miners and their families during 1888 and 1889. And uh, this migration represented, like, the greatest increase of, a ba- like, a black population in Washington Territory at that time. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then, um, like, once the tension between all of these miners kind of fizzled out, like, it was kind of a, like, they worked together peacefully. Okay. Amid, like, the constant danger in what was coal mining. And I don't know if, like, the tension was because, like, race was an issue or if it was because, like, people were being brought in to replace them. Like, I don't know exactly what the conflict was, but it could have been, like, a combination of things. Yeah. But they did overall just work peacefully together after everything had kind of come to a head. Um, So, and I thought it was interesting because, like, one of those um, migrators that came to Roslyn, he was the... Um, the mayor of Roslyn, like the first black mayor that they had, mm-hmm. was a descendant of one of like those coal mine workers. Oh, that's cool. So like families sticked around, yeah, for like a long time. And there's still people there that were like, all of their families had moved there for so long ago. That's pretty cool. I know. It's like an old, old, like family history type thing. I don't know. I just like it. Yeah. Um, so... Sprawling across the wooded hills on the outskirts of town lie 25 separate cemeteries. Um, Holy shit. They are still segregated as to, like, ethnic origin. And um, that's... But they're all kind of close by. Like, they're all in one cemeteries, but they're all separated into, like, their own separate plots. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so pretty... Like, that's also pretty typical. Like, I know. They and lived it's pretty separately typical and they live separately. Yeah. It's just kind of weird. It is weird. like... I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, like you get over there. Like, right. We're going to take over. Yeah, that's so weird to Also, me. that's like an insane amount of cemeteries. Like, you're not wrong. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like there was a lot of people like living here, like a lot of different cultures and stuff. Well, and they just died all the time, so... And they also were just like dying all the time, so... Yeah, to have, like, ten kids to keep, too, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that whole segregated cemetery thing is, like, kind of sad. Yeah. It's also just, like, it is what it is. And um, we're going to get to the real tragedy of why I picked Rosalind, because I love a tragic story. Of course. Give me one second. Okay. So, on May 10th of 1892... Um, 45 men were lost to an explosion that had happened in 
the belly of the number one mine. So at around 1.30 p.m., a loud ear-splitting boom was heard, and then two men that had just exited the cave, or like, you know, the coal mine entrance, um, they were tossed through the air away from the cave entrance by that blast. Oh, my God. Luckily, they survived. Hmm. But 45 others that were inside did not. <laughs> 45 Oh, people. man, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so the first day after this explosion, only 14 bodies were recovered. Um, five bodies were recovered the next day. And then the remaining 26 bodies were recovered um, two days later. And into, like, the next day, second and third days. So it took approximately three days to get everybody out. Um, I'll know, like, the initial blast did kill a lot of these miners. It was, like, asphyxiation that killed the rest of them because Mm -hmm. they survived, but they couldn't get out. Oh, no. You know how that be. Yeah, that's terrible. I know. They're stuck for two days. So, and then he feels like I bet that felt extra like terrible for the people who rescued him because like, well, and they also had um, no one that really wanted to go back down either. Like they had a hard time finding people that would go down and do recovery because oh. no, like they just didn't know if there was going to be another explosion. Yeah, or like what was yeah, like they were just kind of scared to go down. <laughs> um. Yeah, so more than 30 women were widowed, Oh. and over 80 children were left fatherless as a result. Um, and some women lost both their husbands and their sons, Oh. because their husbands and sons worked together. That's terrible. I know. Um, <clears throat> so in um, 1892, Rosalind Number 1 Mind had expanded to seven levels and a depth of 2,700 feet down below the town. And then 11 furnaces burned around the clock to create drafts to ventilate um, the mine and disperse, like, dangerous methane gas. Mm-hmm. But the main airway did not extend below, like, the fourth level. So oh. they were working on a passage to cut and keep going down. So they were creating, like, a fifth and a sixth level so that they could go further down and still have access. Oh, wow. To um, a ventilation source. Um, So miners were in the process of connecting the airway from the fifth level to the sixth level and downward when the volatile gas detonated. The coal mine workers were some of, um, like this handful of men was some of 50,000 coal miners that were killed on the job in the United States between 1870 and 1914. 50,000! That's so many people. In like 50 years. That's 10,000 people a year. More. At least. Oh, man. Because that's probably definitely an estimate because they probably didn't record. 44 years. Even less years. Yeah, and they probably didn't even like record all the deaths because... I know. They're just like, oh, he's just like, he's he's old and tired. He just, he's old he, and tired. He's just done he's living done. today. Sorry, guy. He didn't die definitely from exhaustion. No, it wasn't. Anything that. or no, 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 no. like, no, 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 no. Coal in your lungs. No. <laughs> so, um, City Hall was turned into a morgue. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
And then um, horse-drawn wagons, uh, followed by family members and friends, carried the bodies of the victims to the morgue. Oh, Dwight, I can hear you. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. That was precious. Is that? It's a purring. Oh. Hi, Dwight. Welcome to the party. I'm sorry. sorry. That was a wonderful interruption, though. That was good. Yeah. That made my heart happy when I was telling this sad story. Oh, no. Oh, I just put my hand straight in his ear. Okay, so they carried the victims to City Hall. Um, and then volunteers began digging graves and the mining, like the, the company arranged for coffins and like burial robes and families for those who had like died were given supplies and clothing for free. Um, in addition to the cost of the burial, the women of those who had passed during the accident or not the women of the, their husbands who had passed during the accident received, um, I couldn't get a a clear detail on whether they received $2,000 or just $1,000 in, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Like compensation for their dead relatives and loved ones. Like an insurance policy. I mean, just probably just hush money. Like, sorry, <laughs> your husband's dead. Here's some money. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. And then, um, so it was either $1,000 or $2,000 that they were giving away to all of these widows. And then some of the widows got an extra 500 if they had a son that passed as well. And so I looked up the conversion rate and like $2,500 now would be like 815 ish That's really not that much for but a again, whole life. But again, yeah, that's like, like not very much at all for a whole life. And can you imagine the women that, like, also had, like, five other kids, and now they're just on their own with five other kids? It's like, ladies didn't have a ton of opportunity back then. Very few. Very little wiggle room for them. So it's just, like, that was Not only that, but, like, only 500 for a son. Like, oh, sorry your kid died. Here's like some some money, I Here's guess. A little, a little tiny bit of a money. Chump of change. I mean, he was only half of you, so right? mm, yeah, <laughs> mm, not a good look. No, it's not. Um, an investigation into the disaster determined that the explosion was caused by um, an, an inadequate ventilation. Weird, right? Never heard that before. And the state <laughs> mining inspector believed that an open flame lamp used by the miners for light ignited the gas that set off the initial explosion. Mm-hmm. And then that in turn, like, ignited the coal dust. Oh. Because coal is, you know, flammable. It's dusty. Just like a little bit. And what they did to counteract that forward, all moving forward, they would actually get the miners, like, wet so they wouldn't collect the dust if anything ever ignited, like the dust wouldn't ignite. Oh. And I was like, it would suck to just have to go to work like wet. Soaking <laughs> wet. Like, yeah, just, you know, <sighs> wet. How uncomfortable. It just like, 
It and got then, considerably worse to be a minor. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, it, they came up with this, like, dusting powder that kind of counteracted the ignition, I guess, on top of, you know, being wet, and then they were just covered in powder, and then they were covered <laughs> in, like, cold dust. So, like, these poor guys were just, like, fucking filthy. They don't have a chance. They didn't have a chance. Not one bit. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yeah. So that's kind of what they did to counteract that. This is still like the most tragic coal mining accident to have happened in Washington state on record. And um, there was another mine explosion that occurred in 1909 and that killed another 11 men. And that is the second most tragic coal mining accident in Washington state. So they both happened there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which is something. That's but, something. Yeah, I mean, that one didn't get nearly as much attention in the press or anything, but still, like, another 11 people were killed only a few years later. And then there is a memorial statue located near Rosalind, like the cemetery, which names all 45 of uh, the victims who were killed on May 10th. Okay. It's like a nice little statue. That's cool. <clears throat> and all the miners were buried by their own families. Which uh, was what led to segregated cemeteries. And all of those cemeteries have been, like, untouched and unmoved. It's just kind of... Yeah. It's, so that's just kind of well, and it is. And that memorial also is pretty nice because, like, they probably... Like, the fam- like a lot of the family members still live there, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so the cemeteries has... Um, meadows, and it has forests, and it has hillsides, and these are all final resting places for the miners and their families that were brought west with them. Most of the plots face east, um, but the Polish section faces north towards the Polish community church. Oh. And the Croatian section um, has really nice grass off, like, the main avenue. And the African-American section and their families were mostly buried across the street under some large trees and on the hillside. That's nice. And the Luthien... Lithuanians are further back and they're shaded by the forest and that is just looming like just outside of it's kind of like kind of started to get encroached with trees so some of those graves are starting to kind of disappear into the woods Hmm. which is a little creepy yeah it is I wonder if they're gonna like cut it back or anything I don't know I don't I don't know I don't know Hmm. I don't know so to this day descendants and like uh, the descendants are still, like, they still continue to bury their loved ones in those plots, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Because now I guess they've just, like, you know, they have their own plot for, like, their whole family. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. Do you, I, I mean, like, did they, there's going to come a point when we have to, oh, like, we, start stacking. Yeah, And I wonder I if it know. can just be, like, this is my family stack. And the first person to die goes, like... I don't know, 12 feet under. <laughs> you know, when I went to New Orleans, I went on, like, a tour, and I was in this cemetery, and they were talking about these certain, like, um, tombstones that they have there, and it's basically, like, they kind of just recycle ashes. It's like you get put on a wait list for a certain, you know, tomb, <laughs> and then that tomb will be left alone for, like, a specific amount of time, like a hundred and 
not no, it's like a year and a half or something or a year exactly, something weird like that. But all of the constant heat in New Orleans, it's like it has this weird pizza oven effect into those tombs. And like that body will eventually become ashes in that year. And then they just kind of fall down into the bottom of the tomb. And then it's just like a little, um, you know, it's just a little dust party in there. Everybody's mingling together. And then that one becomes open for like the next person that signed up for it. That... It's like a recycling pizza oven. That is insane. Isn't that weird? That's wild. I did not know that. <laughs> and um, I feel like I have to spend hours researching this and um, <laughs> I mean, they uh, have, get to the bottom of it. You, you, you know, they have such a... Yeah, they, you know, there's been a, they have a hard time burying people in New Orleans. Like, that's just all I could say. They have a yeah. hard time burying people because the constant flooding and like yeah everything's they just like to come back up yeah so that was kind of like a nice and they got that inspiration from like i don't remember where it was it might have been like greece or something Mm. they saw that this was a way that they took care of their dead and they're like that sounds good let's do it let's do it so yeah just a little fun fact there that's cool yeah well um so yeah that was the story of Rosalind Washington and um, just a little nice little tragic story for your day about how 45 people died Oh, all at the same time maybe a few days later Uh, maybe they were crushed maybe uh, they ran out of air maybe they were blown to pieces I didn't get that deep into it because I probably could have but I was like no I'm not going to go that hard not today not today not today. Not today. Well, and I mean, it was a good little story, you know? It sucks, and it obviously makes mining jobs come into perspective a little bit more, and like how shitty that is. How shit. That and then you is. think like that people are still actually doing that as a job? As a job? Just, and I, I sound like. like the, I hope. It has to be better it by now. It has to be. It has to be better by now. If it's not. You should keep fighting. Yeah. They've been fighting for a long time. And if it's not better by now, it needs to be better. Yeah, that's terrible. I sound like such like a a high maintenance person when I say like that. I feel feel like if it wasn't better, we would definitely be more in tune with the fact that like a hundred people were dying a day. I'm like, we're just like, no, sorry. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking in there. (laughs) Bye. We'll see you next time. And you should just be safe.